This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey, good morning and welcome to The Garden Show. I'm Dean Holland, your host, the newest, uh, the newest little transplant in the big Zoomer garden. And indeed, it is a garden party here with Charlie Dobbin. How are you this morning, Charlie? I'm excellent. I got long underwear on, uh, earmuffs, uh, big mitts. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a it's it's crispy at my place. It's about minus 17 right now. Yeah, and we're about minus 14 up here, but I think we have a whole lot more snow up I, I, where I am in Collingwood. We have like my my wife has a snow stick outside <laughs> that we made last year and it's showing just under 25 centimeters. So we got a nice oh. blanket and we were out it was it's fluffy stuff. Yeah, it's been cold now. So twenty-five it says like ten inches, right? Twenty-five yeah. centimeters. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I so I do not. I have still green grass poking up through my light dusting of snow. Right. <laughs> so. Well, we've got the skiing is just getting better and better all the time here. You know, Charlie, I just want to quickly give out the numbers. First of all, uh, we we would love for you to call if you're anywhere in Toronto. 416-360-0740 or anywhere toll-free in the province of Ontario, 1-866-740-4740, okay? And let Carlos know if you are a first-time caller because we will, of course, give you your garden wings. And uh, our mantra, of course, call often, call early, and one question per call, please. And Charlie, I think you have you have a couple of announcements, I think. Yeah, just a, a couple of our listeners have sent me notes uh, via email, so I'll remind everybody of the email once I give you these announcements. One is the Agent Court Garden Club. They're very active as a group. They're having a Zoom meeting, which is open to absolutely everybody, members and non-members alike. Welcome to join the Agent Court Garden Club Zoom meeting January the 10th at 7 p.m., Michael Erdman is the speaker, the presenter, and the uh, presentation is called The Gardens of Bangkok and Singapore. So if you want that Zoom link, you can email me and I can forward you the link, or you can call Cheryl Penner. She's the person in charge of all the the, um, uh, communication around the Agent Court Garden Club, and you can call her at 416-414-7780. Zero four, and like I say, it's a you know, it's days are getting longer. I know it's crispy and cold, and the snow's been falling, but I'm getting the itch of spring. Like I'm starting to feel it. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh yeah, you and me both. Yeah, one of our uh, one of our consistent listeners, Maureen. Thank you for the email. Sent me a heads up, and I had seen this email as well. One of our favorites, our absolute favorite seed supplier, Stokes Seeds out of St. Catharines 
sent an email to anybody who's been um, a customer and said they cannot print the catalog anymore. The paper isn't just too short of supply. And and Maureen is sad because for so many of us, we, we ooh and ah, it's like eye candy, right? Looking at those seed catalogs. Oh, those tomatoes look so good. I got to grow those or mm-hmm. whatever flowers or eggplants. So no more catalogs, all online. Uh, oh. But of course, stokeseeds.ca will give you all the information. You can print off the order form. You can email the order form or you can phone in your order. So they're, they're there to serve. But just the main thing is that the main heads up is just no more catalog. Gotcha. Okay, Charlie, got to go to a quick break. But when we come back, we'll get to some callers and some emails here on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Okay, we are back here on The Garden Show. I'm going to give those phone numbers out just before we get to a caller. Uh, Anywhere in Toronto, 416-360-0740 or toll-free anywhere in the province of Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. I'm Dean Holland and Charlie Dobbin is here and we have Judy on the line from Stratford. Good morning, Judy. Good morning. Is this Charlie's intensive care unit for African violence? <laughs> I think it is, yes. It oh, can good. be. Mine needs, needs intensive care. I have a purple one and a pink one, and they both flower constantly. They've been doing great. All at once, the pink one is going downhill. There's barely anything left. And as we were looking at it, it's got all white underneath the leaves, so I'm thinking it's probably powdery mildew. Okay, are we talking about orchids? No, African violets. Oh, African violets. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, right. and like it says, you know, make sure you have circulation around your African violets. Well, we have, mm-hmm. it's in my sunroom, so we have a ceiling fan, so right close by, so it's not that. So what do I do to try to save this? If if you, um, okay, so African violets have very furry leaves. So if you took your thumb and you rubbed where that white, does it look white powdery? Will it yep. rub off with your thumb? Yep. And all the leaves, yeah, as soon as you touch them around the bottom, like they just fall off. Oh, dear. Right. It's bad. Okay. No, that is sad. Well, first of all, separate, um, obviously isolate any plants that aren't doing well from other plants. Okay. So, because, you know, if it, it does sound like powdery mildew and it is contagious. Yeah, so now we've got plant. to modify the um, environment. Now, like you say, it's a sunroom, so it's bright. It's got a fan, which is good. You want that air circulation. Uh, is it? Is it in a, it's in a pot with drainage, I assume. Right, it is, yes. And then is that pot sitting inside another pot, like an over pot? No. Okay, good. Because that's the other thing is, I was going to say, get it out of any enclosures that it's in. Make it as open, wide open to the air, the sun, the you know exposure to to deal with that. The leaves that are infest, like are infested with the mildew, will likely fall off. Yeah, it's you wide could open, go you to your local garden center, and I know the um, the home stores are starting to set up for spring now. So um, you could go to a- any sort of retailer that sells garden supplies. There is a, a wonderful all-purpose fungicide called, oh man, it was just in my brain. Where it go? Oh, it's called Serenade. Serenade. So Serenade, S-E-R-E-N-A-D-E. Okay. Follow the instructions on that. Don't waste your time with soap or anything like that. You'll make it worse if you start putting insecticides on. Treat it strictly with a fungicide. <clears throat> excuse okay. me, with a fungicide. And uh, and and. 
fingers crossed. It can it can be what you basically need is you need some new growth, which of course will be up at the top mm-hmm. to emerge and not become infested. So you're not going to save the leaves that are infected now, but what you're you know hoping for is to grow new leaves that do not become infected. Well, we've taken all the infected leaves off. Okay, good. Good. So, so now, <clears throat> you know, the spores are microscopic. You can't see them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's likely still there uh, right. on the surface of the soil or somewhere, you know, on the pot. So I would still recommend a topical fungicide treatment okay. following all the instructions. It's very wide open because there's so few leaves left anymore. Yeah. <laughs> well, as long nothing. as it's got a little bit of green, even one leaf is enough yeah. okay. to allow the plant to recover. Okay. Be careful, obviously, with your watering. You never want to get it wet, the leaves wet. Um, Air on the side of underwatering for now rather than, you know, being too careful with too much water. No misting, of course. And don't do fertilizer or anything like that for another couple of weeks. And then absolutely get ready with some African violet food. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Let us know how that goes. (laughs) Yeah. I'll probably send in a bitchinary notice. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, hope not. And okay, there's a thank great, you so much. African you have a good day. Society, Bye-bye. Sorry, I was just gonna say, the African Violet Society has an amazing website. Like There are people out there that are serious African violet growers and collectors, and uh, internationally, and they, they, they get together and talk about African violets. They have a great website with some wonderful troubleshooting tips. So there might be something on that website that I've failed to mention. Fabulous. Okay, and I have to tell you, I think that is a beautiful name for a fungicide, serenade. <laughs> just, it's like just makes you want to just sing to your African violets. <laughs> and they would probably like that. And they would probably like it, indeed. Uh, listen, we have to take a, another quick break, but uh, when we come back, uh, we'll uh, take some more callers. And I have an email on my desk about bugs that we'll probably get to as well. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And that list of uh, plants and flowers that you just heard serenaded is just the tip of the iceberg that Charlie Dobbin can tell you about. Um, how I'm just we're just having a great time here in the garden party here in the garden show, and I got a couple of callers on the line. We're going to go to Richmond Hill now. I've got John on the line. Good morning, John. Good morning. How are you? Well, how are you, sir? I'm well, thank you. Good morning. Uh, welcome to the show, John. Hold on. We need a. We need to welcome you with your uh, getting some wings. Oh, yes, I missed that in the top corner. We have your garden wings, John. Here we go. <laughs> there you go. go. You earned them. Uh, thanks for calling, John. What's going on? Uh, I have two Japanese red maples, mm-hmm. and they're dome-shaped rather than tree-shaped. Uh, and uh, once a year, I tend to prune them just a little bit, maybe an inch or so, just to sort of keep the dome shape. Uh, but mm-hmm. they're getting quite large. Uh, I guess diameter-wise, they're about 11 to 12 feet across. And in wow. terms of height, they're 11 to 12 feet high. And as wow. I say, it's it's getting difficult for me to manage them. And they're starting to uh, encroach on the, the patio. So my question is, can these be pruned back uh, at the appropriate time of the year, maybe 5, 6, 8, 10, 12 inches without damaging the, 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 the bush completely? Absolutely. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, we tend to be very gentle with our Japanese maples because we love them and we think they're very tender and we just, you know, treat them with kid gloves, but we really don't need to. A Japanese maple is just a maple. So just like with any other tree or shrub, when it's time to prune and you're pruning because the plant has gotten too big, it's oversized, it's proportionally wrong in the property or near your home, you can take off up to between 25 percent of the plant and 30 percent of the plant any one year any one time so what i would do is in the spring i mean the easiest time to do this is before the leaves emerge so you can see what you're doing and you can get in underneath get a step ladder get your loppers get in underneath start taking out anything that's dead for starters and you'll know it's dead because the it's a different color the bark it will be gray instead of shiny green and and you know it's a real different look to a dead branch versus a live branch so you'll do clean cuts get rid of all the dead stuff then you're going to stand back and you're going to say all right it's still too wide and it's still weeping down too low so at that point you can then start bringing the plant in to narrow it you're not going to make it any shorter i don't think you're going to find you can take things off the top and it's going to suddenly get be less tall but you can certainly make it narrower and you can certainly trim it up so that you know if it's that big of a plant do you walk beneath it i mean you could like turn them into almost umbrellas yeah you can't really you can't can it can this be done in the fall rather than the spring it can but but uh Choose your time wisely. When we prune in the fall, we have there's a if we prune in uh, say September, you know late September, and it's mild weather, we tend to encourage a bunch of new growth, and you don't want new growth in the fall. You want the plant wants to naturally slow down and and go dormant for the winter. So if you can do your pruning in August, that's better because again a little bit of new growth then won't, won't be detrimental. Or wait till October when it's and it's cooler weather, and you're less likely to see a lot of flush of, of buds, etc. Okay, great. Okay, that was it. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thanks for calling. Thanks, John. Uh, listen, in addition to uh, to calling during the live programming, of course, you can also get in touch with Charlie at your convenience during the week via email, and her email is c.dobbin at mzmedia.com. Okay, and I actually have, uh, I have an email here, uh, Charlie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, Diane writes, I, I live in an apartment building. It is infested with feral ants, and they are everywhere. Do you know of a product that I can use to get rid of them? I have a cat, and I need to be careful what I use in my suite. Uh, she says she lives in the Kennedy in uh, Kennedy and Eglinton area in Scarborough. Um, and, uh, yeah, she says that she would really love to get rid of these. <laughs> she calls them these little buggers. <laughs> well, so it's funny, you know, I'd never heard of pharaoh ants. Uh, pharaoh spelled like an Egyptian pharaoh. Mm-hmm. But um, a synonymous word they're often referred to are sugar ants. So these are very small ants. They uh, are almost translucent. They're quite tiny. They are tropical. They are everywhere in the world. Uh, and so, of course, in the tropics, they happily live year-round outside. But in the northern hemisphere or the far southern hemisphere, they move inside for the winter because they will die in the winter. So that's why in at this time of year, you if you're going to see these ants, you typically will see them in the winter because they've moved into the apartment building. Now, um, ant traps 
or bait is going to be your only way to really get rid of these ants. I mean, there's a lot of different sort of suggestions out there. Cinnamon, cayenne pepper, which, of course, you wouldn't use if you have a cat. Bay leaves, uh, uh, diatomaceous earth, which some people swear by, but it's a bit messy. And again, you don't want your cat inhaling that. you got to watch where the ants are coming in and out of your suite. So there's going to be areas, there's going to be some little cracks and crannies, could be in under the sink, some, you know, in a cabinet. Uh, it could be at a door. It could be at a vent. But bottom line is track where the ants are entering and place your bait traps very specifically at the entrances where the ants are entering your suite. The best one out there, and, and it is avail- widely available, Canadian Tire, Home Depot, all those places, it's called Max Force. So one word, Max Force Ant Bait Stations, and follow all the instructions on the station. So the good thing about using the bait stations is the cat will not be interested, will not be at all, you know, paying attention to them at all, but they're very attractive to ants. They're full of sugar and borax or boric acid, uh, and they will take this lovely boric acid back to the nest and they will feed it to the other little baby ants in the nest and the queen in the nest, and eventually the nest will die. There are multi-colonies when you've got uh, pharaoh ants inside a building, so it's not going to be an instant fix. It's going to take a few, might take a few weeks, but you should be able to eliminate them from your suite by, like I say, place those bait stations in the right locations. Well, sounds like a little battle indeed, doesn't it? (laughs) Never a dull moment. (laughs) Never a dull moment at all. Okay, we're going to Toronto now. I've got uh, Marianne on the line. How are you on this Saturday morning, Marianne? Uh, Good morning. I'm fine. How are you, both of you? We're well. We're well, yeah. What's going on, Marianne? Um, I have a a spider aloe. It's in a nine-inch pot. And it's gone wild. Uh, the uh, fronds are trying to escape from the pot. And there's, <laughs> I was given this plant about 10 years ago, and it was one plant. Now there's 12 of them. <laughs> and the ends are green, but the part that's coming out of the earth is kind of drying up on the stem. Now, how can I separate them? Can I put them in it? individual pots in earth or in water okay so great question and you're right it is a plant that tends to set lots of little babies or daughter plants from the mother and so before you know it your pot is absolutely jammed full of little aloe plants so what i would do is i would so you said it's about a 10 inch pot Hmm. If you've got like a work table or even a kitchen table, spread out a bunch of newspapers, lay the pot down on its side on top of the newspapers and pull the whole mess out of the pot. And what you'll find is that all those little daughter plants in many cases will have their own roots and you just need to get a sharp knife and you're going to sever those smaller plants away from the main plant with a sharp knife and then you can right away pot them up into their own little separate pots with very well-drained 
potting mix, a fresh, fresh bags of fresh, preferably cactus soil if you can get such a thing, or just a regular potting mix where you add in some extra drainage, some sand or gravel or anything that will help with drainage. You don't want them um, sitting in too much moisture. And then no, you're going to make lots of friends lot of because you're going to give little plants to everybody you know. Right. <laughs> uh, and then go and then go back and keep what you want. Put put back like you can scrub that original pot and then put put the mother plant back into it if you like there are about uh 12 mothers now yeah they're all growing one mother uh, and 11 daughters but yeah or maybe even more can i repot the uh existing ones sure absolutely yeah and you'll find like aloe is sort of a funny thing that if you give them a really big pot they will tend to fill the pot so what i do is i tend to not give them very big pots and then they that does dwarf them a bit you know it just they can't they can't keep growing if there's only a tiny pot and you you never need to transplant any plant until the roots are growing out of the bottom of the drainage holes of the pot yeah okay Can I cut off the uh, green part of the mother plant and uh, start to reroot it in water or put it right in the earth? No, I would keep its original roots. It has roots now. Oh, I, I was, were you saying the stem is naked at the bottom there? Well, the, the stem, the part that comes from the earth to mm-hmm. where the green part is, is mm-hmm. all dried leaves. Right. Yeah, and that happens when they get old. You may yeah. want to just toss out the mother plant and oh. just keep the babies. Um, you will not be able to root that in water, I don't think. What you, Yeah, I see that's the thing. If you pull that plant out of the soil, you get your scissors, you cut off all the dried leaves, you're going to have the stalk with no leaves on it, and then yeah. the green, you know, poofy tip where right. the, the fresh growth is. To try and root that, like to cut off those old roots, try and root that gnarly stem yes is possible but uh, what how you would do that is not in water you would sever that mother plant from its roots throwing out the roots keep the top make sure you've got a couple inches of stem where right. you've cut all the leaves away and then sit that on a piece of newspaper on a windowsill or a, a table somewhere and let it just sit for a couple of weeks no water no nothing just sitting out in the air and what will happen is some roots will start to grow believe it or not as it sits out there or at least where you've done all that removal where you've cut the ends because remember what happens when we cut aloe you get all that gel etc so you want that to be all dried up and once it dries up it will it was we call it callus so it, it ends up with callus uh draw um on that those cut surfaces and then, in a perfect world, roots will grow where that callus is. But putting it in water will probably cause the whole thing to rot. So let it sit for a couple of weeks. And then if, if you want to, at that point, put it into a pot, you know, make a hole in some moist soil, jam that stem into the moist soil, use some, I would use uh, chopsticks, you know, from the Chinese food restaurant, oh, yes. use some chopsticks to hold the whole thing up nice and stable, you know, four or five all around it, and don't touch it, just let it be, and roots will grow eventually. But the gel is so useful for cuts and scrapes and cat scratches, you know? <laughs> for sure. That's why we love keeping an aloe in the house, for sure. Yes. Fabulous. Thank you so much, Marianne. Thank, thank you hey, very much. And if you're going to be up in Collingwood any time there, Marianne, I'll take one of those plants from you. Okay. There you go. <laughs> 
Okay. Um, get those numbers again. Anywhere in Toronto, 416-360-0740 or anywhere else in the province of Ontario, one 740 Four seven four zero, and again, if you wish to email Charlie, her email is c dot dobbin at mzmedia.com. And I just want to, you know, I, I got to compliment the callers. Our mantra, call often, call early, and one question per call, please. Everybody's been really great, including Judy, who called us earlier, and she's back on the line with yeah, another question. So uh, welcome back to the show, Judy. Hi, I called our, our greenhouse about that serenade that Charlie told me, and they don't sell it. Yeah. Now, she oh. told me they have a three-in-one fungicide. Will that work? Three-in-one. Is that what it's actually called, three-in-one? That's what she told me it was called. She said a fungicide is called three-in-one. Did you know I keep I'm thinking of something called end-all. End-all is, end is an insecticide. Hold, let me just double-check that. So three-in-one... But she said they don't have serenade. Too bad, because it's a good one. Oh, three-in-one fungicide. Okay, yeah. Insecticide fungicide. See, that's what I don't want. Three-in-one. Yeah, safers. Okay. Let me just double-check what this is. Just double-checking. Okay. Um, three-in-one insect disease and mite control. If this is the same thing. Hmm. I'm not a big fan of... Triple protection with one application. Insect disease and mite control. Hmm. Um, cures and prevents diseases. Oh, wow. I love it when they say these things. Um, okay, so if you use this three-in-one with a name like that, you know it's uh, an all-purpose, going to just kind of solve every problem in the world. It's uh, You will, in a sense be wasting insecticide if there are no insects on your African violet. But it is possible because this is the time of year when spider mites tend to emerge from, I don't even know where they come from, Mm -hmm. but they love a dry environment. So spider mites will often show up on our plants at this time of year. So you are in a sense being a bit preventative for any Mm -hmm. insect problems that might be happening in a low way that you're not aware of yet. It is apparently a fungicide. So yeah, I mean, you could try it. I mean, obviously follow the instructions really closely, uh, whatever it says. Usually when we spray plants, we get them out of direct sunlight um, and we often... You know, sometimes these are we put on these sprays and then we wash them off a couple hours later just because it's hard on the plants. Okay. African violets are, are plants I don't really think of as needing a lot of uh, care in the because they don't get infested with things. But it's you know they they definitely do get some fungal diseases. So try it, try the three in one, and um, and that and, and uh, meanwhile I'll look and see if there's any other sort of common fungicides out there that might be um, worth. Uh, having just uh, in your arsenal, so to speak. <laughs> so now I have some Endol. Will it work? No, Endol okay. should be just an insecticide. Okay. All right. It should be pyrethrins and canola oil. And it does work very, very well as an insecticide. Again, shaking it because of the oil. But um, the yeah, the three-in-one sounds like it's a, sort of the same idea. It's got a lot going on inside that package. But, yeah, why not? Let us know how that works. Okay, thank you so much. Great. Thanks again, Judy. Bye-bye. Um, Okay, we are uh, we got to go to a quick break, uh, but we do have uh, we'll come back with a caller, and we do have lines open, so do give us a call. We will be right back. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin 
exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Indeed, this is the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. I'm Dean Holland, and uh, this week I'm in my uh, home studio in Collingwood, Ontario. Charlie, you are in your studio in Prince Edward County, uh-huh. and of course, Carlos is at Zoomerplex. He's pulling everything together for us, and yeah. so we're here on the airwaves. Yeah, doing and, a fine job. Yeah, well, and I've been thinking about you all week, every time I've been shoveling the snow, because now <laughs> I think of it as that blanket that you talk about so often, mm-hmm. that it really beds down the uh, the flowers. It's better for the flowers to have. Yes, all. it is. Well, it it does because it holds the moisture in the soil and, and the moisture around the plants, which is really important. Gotcha. And I never really thought of it that way. But honestly, every time I keep throwing it on top of the gardens on either side of our driveway, I think of you. No, no the one place you don't want to throw a lot of piles of snow is on top of many of your evergreens. The weight will break the branches. Gotcha. But certainly around the bottom of the evergreens is excellent. Okay. Excellent. Uh, we have a first-time caller on the line. We are going to Hamilton. We have Rose. How are you this morning, Rose? Good morning. 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 I got your, got your garden wings for you, hon. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> well, you earned them. The there show. you go. Welcome to the show. <laughs> thank you. Um, I have a epiphyllum, and I guess it's called Queen of the Night. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Um, just Can you spell that for me? Epiphyllum? E-P-I-P-H-Y-L-L-U-M. Okay, Queen of the Night. That's why they give them all those names, right? Because yes. that's not a very romantic name. Queen of the Night is very romantic. <laughs> uh, okay, give me a second here. I'm just going to mm-hmm. double check what it is we're talking about. How much snow you got there in Hamilton, Rose? I'm looking out the window. I don't see any at all. No, hey. Oh, just maybe wow. a few patches here and there, but mostly green. <laughs> yeah, we are completely covered. Like I said, we have oh, about wow. 10 inches up here, which is great for the ski hills, but uh, lots yeah. of snow. Oh, there's someone here, though. Huh. Sweet. It blooms nice. uh, at yeah, night. Yep. Yeah. So I see what it is. Yeah, it's a form of cactus that you've got, you, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, unfortunately... Um, this one has never bloomed. My mom got a cutting back in 2016. Um, she would take it outside in the warm spring and then all summer, put it on the veranda. So it got um, some sunlight, but, but it was in shade and sun. And uh, anyway, so I brought it home and, and it faces east outside, like inside my window. So I get the morning, early afternoon sun and... Uh, I only water it about maybe once a month, Um, but it's never bloomed, and I'm (laughs) wondering why. Okay, so what's interesting when we we bring plants into our homes uh, and want them to perform the way they do in their natural habitat, then we have to try and give them the environment that they came from. So one of the things that so many of the cactuses require in order to bloom is a cold period. You know, we don't really think of cacti as living in cold situations, but many, many, many of the cacti that live in deserts have very cold nights and very hot oh. days. And it's those cold, it's the, the temperature changes and that certain number of hours of hot and cold will often cause flower buds to form. So just oh. a quick little um, scoot there into Google suggests that if you can take that plant, that epiphyllum, 
in the winter, so like late winter, so even today, put that into an unheated space. Well, meaning it's got to be above 40 degrees Fahrenheit. So can you put it into like a refrigerator type uh um, temperature zone for a period of a couple of weeks. So it could be an un, like an, an insulated but unheated garage. Well, honestly, my garage right now is minus five degrees. So I wouldn't want to put it in my garage right now because it'd be too cold. You want it to be a, just above zero and you want to leave it there for about three weeks. Oh. It shouldn't be in pitch dark. It's, hopefully it could be a fairly bright spot. Um, okay. And then so that you know, it's that sort of brightness. It doesn't need direct sunlight, but it does need a bright light. Um, what they would call filtered light, even. So at the end of that three weeks in the cool, you bring it back, put it back in its location in your house in the nice, warm, bright spot, and it should have set some flower buds. Ooh, okay. And now, what <laughs> if I were to open the window? I've got like a patio window. Would that mm. be enough to keep it cool, or or no? Yeah, it's going to cool your house down. Yeah, it would. Because <laughs> <laughs> you need, this needs to be cool 24 hours a day, right? That oh, cool, okay. uh, you know, like, so what, 40 degrees Fahrenheit is about, what, 8 degrees Celsius, I think, maybe. Okay. So, yeah, you need it, yeah, right, you know, so above zero, but chilly, like, okay. seriously chilly. Okay. I'll try that. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay. Let us know how that works. Thanks so much, Rose. Okay, those numbers again, 416-360-0740, anywhere in Toronto, or toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. However, I think Carlos is telling me that we need to take another quick break. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey, we are back. I'm Dean Holland, and I have here with me in the virtual studio, Charlie Dobbin. And, uh, Charlie, we have on the line a caller from Mississauga. Heidi, how are you this morning? Oh, I'm good, thank you. Good morning. Good morning. What's going on at your place, Heidi? Okay, I have a crown of thorns Mm -hmm. that's about uh, three feet tall. It always has flowers at the top, but it's losing the leaves at the bottom. Hmm. So that's not that unusual. The older leaves will often drop on plants. Uh, quite common. The challenge, of course, is that it starts looking a little bit silly when it has no leaves at the bottom and all the leaves are up on the tips. Have you have you had this plant for years and years and years? Uh, three years, and I've been oh. misting the top every day. Um, okay, you can do that. So, crown of thorns. Just trying to remember the proper name on that plant. Um, for people that are not familiar, it's a great. It is a very easy plant to grow. It's it is very thorny, but it does have flowers with a lot of consistency, as you as you're indicating. So. It's one of those plants that it's not hard to propagate. If you'd like to take some cuttings from the top, you could very easily propagate that plant and get lots of smaller plants with leaves right down to the bottom and start again. 
as opposed to having that old. See, at the bottom, you've got like a stem that becomes quite woody. Uh, it ends up almost with bark on it, and it will not have a lot of green leaves, and that is quite common. If you are raising it in a greenhouse with high humidity and lots of other plants around, it wouldn't drop its leaves as quickly. But in our homes with high, you know, the dry forced air furnaces that so many of us have, the humidity levels aren't high enough for all the leaves to stay attached and the older leaves will often drop. So, you know, up to you what, what you want to do there. You could, as you're suggesting, mist it, maybe even consider clustering some other plants near it so they can share each other's uh, humidity, uh, a pebble tray, that's the idea of kind of a cookie sheet with pebbles or gravel in the bottom, water in in the gravel, plants sit on top of the gravel so that there's constant water evaporating around the plants. That will help it hold its leaves as well. But if you wanted to start again, um, you know, start with some smaller plants that are, like I say, green right to the bottom, very simply two inch or five centimeter cuttings um, and just like we were saying when we were talking about the aloe uh, earlier with Marianne, it, the crown of thorns will has a lot of latex, white latex will come out of it when you cut it. So you've got to let it dry down just on a piece of newspaper or on a window ledge for a couple of weeks, let the cut ends dry, and then into some moist soil and roots will grow. Okay there. Makes sense, Heidi? Yeah, okay. I think maybe we've lost Heidi. I don't know. Maybe we, but there, oh, yeah, we have. I think you answered her question, though. We are uh, going to jump right into another call there. I got Betty on the line from Collingwood. Good morning, Betty. Your neighbor. Good morning. <laughs> yeah. Good morning. I have a, I believe it's called a miniature fisher, f- fiscus. Oh, ficus. Is that right? Okay. It's a miniature? Yeah, it's miniature, and I believe it's called fiscus. <laughs> okay, and it, well, it starts um, with an F. That's all I remember. But right. it's at well, least ficus about eighteen the, years the old. Proper name for fig fig tree. Is it a green leaves plant? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 So it's likely it's a ficus, but a miniature ficus. Oh, okay. okay, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the last couple of years, as I said, it's about eighteen years old. But the last couple of years, it hasn't done anything other than a few leaves had gotten yellow, but it hasn't grown anymore. Okay, but that's good. I mean, you you've done a good job. You've had it that long. Um, <laughs> why would it not be growing? Well, when was the last time you gave it a new pot, and what size pot is it in now? It's the same pot it's been in, but I I take all the stones out, I wash them every once in a while, and I clean up around there. Mm-hmm. But nothing has so happened in at least two years. So there's stones on the surface, but I assume there's soil below the stones. Yes. Hmm. Interesting. So, okay, be- plants in pots are in a very limited environment when it comes to access to nutrient and obviously moisture, which is why we water the plants because they would die if we didn't. But we do have to fertilize on occasion. Have you ever fertilized this plant? Every once in a while, but I haven't lately. 
Yeah. Well, don't in the winter. This is not the time of year to expect a lot of new growth on any of our houseplants, um, generally speaking. But certainly do have an all-purpose kind of a, you know, 20-20-20 or a 10-10-10 kind of fertilizer on hand. And uh-huh. about a month from now, so middle of February, follow the instructions on the package. And when it's time to water that ficus, mix up some fertilizer and give it a thorough watering with nutrient in the water. Now, remember, you don't have to add as much fertilizer as the package says. You can add less, but never add more. And giving it a thorough watering, I think you will find with nutrient, you'll find you'll see a whole bunch of new growth. And to the point where you may have to get out your pruners and start to think about shaping the plant because they often will be sort of growing more in one direction than another direction. And, you know, you Mm -hmm. just you want the plant to be an attractive plant and something that really adds to your home. Mm hmm. Uh, I was wondering, should I um, enlarge the pot? What size pot do you think it's in now? Oh, I don't know. I really don't know about six inches. Oh, my. And it's got a real big bulb. (laughs) Yeah, I would certainly consider giving it a bigger pot. But not, don't go big. If it's in a six inch, go to an eight inch. If it's in an eight inch, go to a 10 inch. Yeah. Okay. Right, so just move it up one size and fresh soil. Oh, it'll love you for that. It'll just purr if you give it a fresh pot with fresh soil. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well that's Great. fine. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you, Betty. Bye. Thanks for calling. Thanks. You know, I I have a fertilizing question actually because mm-hmm. I was doing some tidying up here. You know, I was you know, and I found some some jars, some small jars of plant food spikes that I inherited. Now yeah. I. They're a handful of years old, and they're all different numbers. What, what's your feeling on these things? They're- okay, so number one, fertilizer does not go bad. There's no stale dating on fertilizer. Okay. So you can find a bag of fertilizer that's 10 or 20 years old as long as it's been kept dry uh, and doesn't. It, it's quite usable at any point. So it's uh, feel free to use it. I'm okay. not a fan of the spikes, though. Okay. There are spikes for outdoors. There are spikes for outdoors. Obviously, they're much smaller. If These are teeny tiny. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> the reason I'm not a big fan is because it's a very concentrated amount of fertilizer in that little spike. When you follow the instructions and you jam that spike into the soil of the pot that your plant is living in, you are invariably going to contact roots with that concentrated spike of fertilizer and you're going to kill the roots that that fertilizer touches eventually over time when you're watering the spike is going to uh, become soluble so it's going to break down and it's going to provide nutrient in the, the soil solution in the water in the soil but initially it's a very concentrated amount of fertilizer that does damage when you first put it anywhere near the plants, whether it's outdoors or indoors. So if I was going to use, if I inherited a bunch of spikes and I didn't, and I wanted to use them because I own them, I'd break them up into little pieces and I'd sprinkle them on the surface of the soil. Oh, They'll okay. tell you how many spikes per size pot. So three spikes in a six inch pot or whatever. I would break up three little spikes and I would sprinkle them on the surface. Okay. I can do that. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> My pleasure. Hey, you want to hear, uh, what do we got? We got one minute. I'm going to give you just a couple of 
uh, New Year's resolutions for rose growers brought to you by the Canadian Rose Society. So one of their resolutions, and I think you and I can both really engage with this one, is aim to spend more time enjoying your roses and your gardens. Encourage rose growing by talking about your passion whenever you can, and then learn a new rose fact every week. <laughs> you know what? I've got to get more into it. We had a beautiful, beautiful, when we lived in Hamilton, a, a Floribunda, is that right? I think. Floribunda rose. Oh, my goodness. I'll have to dig out a picture of it. And uh, and since we've moved to Collingwood, haven't really had a lot of roses, but I, I've got to reintroduce them into my life, indeed. We can fix that. Fabulous. In the meantime, yeah. Thank you, no. Dean. Thank thanks you. For, yeah, thanks for your good help, yeah. and and you really are you're, you're learning this this garden show pretty good. I, I'd like to compliment you on that. Well, thank you. <laughs> Carlos, thanks for yeah, your thanks help. to Carlos. Yeah, I couldn't do any of this without Carlos. He's operating and hanging on the end of the line there, looking after everybody. So thanks to our great callers. Keep those questions coming. Send me emails, and I'll see you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.